And I remember specifically him looking me in the face across from the table and he said, you're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to be strong for your mom and you're going to have to be strong for your brother. And that's really all I remember about the conversation. I remember the seriousness in his eyes and him staring straight through me. But that moment changed my life. That was the moment I became a provider. My friend Jody Mills joins me on today's podcast. He is the Associate Director of Commercial Insights, Learning and Development at Corcept Therapeutics. In our conversation, we talk about cortisol, the stress hormone, its connection to overall health and wellness and strategies for managing stress and related to his work in the pharmaceutical industry. And we also touch on the theme of leadership in times of stress. So the importance of focusing on the needs and concerns of others and the importance of finding opportunities in life to make yourself perhaps a little bit uncomfortable to lead in stressful situations. And we have some experience doing that together as we are both part of a men's workout group and have done some endurance challenges together. So it's my pleasure to introduce you to my friend, Jody Mills. Welcome to the Become a Provider podcast, a show about how people bless and protect others and how you can do the same. I'm your host, Justin Thomas. Let's begin. Jody, welcome to the podcast, aka Bino. And we have to start right there. I mean, you can't say <laughs> the term Bino and associate with someone's nickname without asking, where in the world did you get that nickname? Sure, sure. So one of the attendees to the first F3 workout that I came out to, which was actually at one of our workout locations uh, on UNC campus here in Chapel Hill, one of the attendees was a work colleague of mine. And I used to work for a pharmaceutical company located here in in Raleigh in the Research Triangle area. And, uh, you know, they try to affiliate something funny, but yet something directly related to you to give you this name. And so our company was uh, a gastrointestinal based. So I guess that's where the name Vino came from as it was more of the layman's knowledgeable product for something gastrointestinal related. So it stuck and it was appropriate. And I bet you weren't hoping for that nickname when you first went out to that men's group. You know, I don't know how many men of F3, when they first get their nickname, are hoping for the nickname that they end up with. But, you know, it becomes a term of endearment really quickly. So <laughs> that's right. And that's how we got a chance to connect was through this uh, workout group called F3. And I, I also like to reflect on how the guest has provided for me. And you are a leader within that community, just through your actions and your service and your commitment to it. You seem to be very diligent into attending, but not only that, but lifting the guys up. And one of the last times you practically provided for me was I had come out to one of the workouts here in my hometown, Hillsborough, and you drove up to Kewitt. I was feeling sore and tired from the previous day's run or training session. And you provided for me because even though you're probably in the top echelon as far as fitness of the guys, you do a really good job of leading others in a way that you slow it down and you encourage the guys, you concentrate on form, which is impressive because this is just a free men's workout group and none of us are officially trained. And you can tell you're one of the few guys that have this, the stamina and strength to crush it in a variety of ways, but you do a good job of leading well and just focusing on form. And I really appreciated that when I needed it and needed someone to hold me back versus probably do too much in that moment. So I don't know if you know, that's a skill of yours, but I wanted to acknowledge that and say, thanks. Uh, I really appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing that, right? I think sometimes one of the things that that every man who leads a group or you lead a project at work that is critical is to receive feedback, right? 
be it developmental, be it positive, you know, be it indifferent, whatever, just to kind of get a feeling for how you're doing. And selfishly in, in my profession, as well as in my family, what I do is, is you try to lead and motivate people, right, to make better connections with other people in their lives. And so that's definitely something that selfishly for me as a group, you know, there's so many great things that come out of F3, the camaraderie of the group, the fact that obviously you get more fit, you feel better in your life, you start out your day strong. But the other thing is for me is this opportunity every single time I volunteer to lead to practice my ability to connect and lead with others, right? Is your direction clear? Is your language clear? Because so many times in life, you know, a lot of us are very good at giving direction. The question is, is, is what's coming out of your mouth, what other people are hearing, right? And did they get everything or did they just get a piece of it, right? And as you're going through a process, is everybody moving at the same cadence? Does somebody need a little bit more help than others, right? Do other people need to be slowed down? So selfishly, it's something for me that it really carries over into a lot of other things that I do in my life. You know, a lot of leading is not just giving direction. It's more of making sure everybody's coming along that journey with you and you're helping each individual person in the way that they need help. So I appreciate you sharing that story. Well, I can't wait to dive into it a little bit because one of the inspirations of having you on the podcast is you're related to not only do you try to focus on helping lift others and making those connections inspiring others, being very clear with your directions in your, in the workouts that you lead, but also in your profession. And I had uh, made a comment or a post on Instagram about how in the morning I was trying to get my cortisol levels active and increasing. And I had no idea that your career and the products at the moment center around cortisol. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've been blessed to have had a, a really long standing career within the pharmaceutical industry. It's an interesting industry. And, uh, a lot of being successful and having new opportunities in, in the industry is, is working hard and helping the company to be successful, helping others around you to be successful. And it just so happens that uh, you had made a comment about cortisol and a lot of what I do is focus on specifically cortisol and you know the disease that we focus on is related to that. But these are those things that transfer over oftentimes into your life probably more than they should, right? But, uh, you know, cortisol is your stress hormone and uh, obviously getting up in the morning and working out is a stressful situation. You know, there's a lot of other stresses in life and it's important to be mindful of those, you know, whether it's a self-inflicted stress or it's an environmental stress, right? But those things are all important things to consider as you work to do the best you can to take care of yourself and to be a provider and take care of your family, right? So, um, cortisol levels are high in the morning. You are correct with that. That's a natural thing, but it, it's also a good reason to get up and get motivated to get going in the morning because it's good to kind of align workouts with when cortisol is kind of getting your body active. So, Yeah. And I first came across that through, it was, I think it was a Dr. Hyman podcast episode. I listened to and he had a guest on to say, you know what he tries to do, and you know more about this than I do about, I guess your body's going to produce cortisol like once a day, and you might as well try to get that early. So you get that alertness and that positive stress, but you and your company seems like have identified as like when that goes haywire, like you have too much cortisol going on. So I guess the the balance here, and I'd love to get your kind of industry thoughts on this is for maybe those that are healthy or have a normal cortisol level, the goal is to, yeah, get up in the morning, go outside, maybe even do an exercise such as F3. And then you get that healthy boost of stress in your body, in your environment, so that you're awake and you're alert. And then it gradually that goes down. And I assume... If it doesn't, we have problems. 
Correct. Absolutely. Cortisol has many, many vital roles in literally every cell and every tissue and every body system that you have, right? You talked about, you'd use the terminology based upon the reference that you quoted that it kind of produces once a day. It kind of produces throughout the day, 24 hours, but essentially what happens is it works in this wave, in this rhythm, and that rhythm has to be accurate. And the body is amazing how it's very self-regulating in itself. And it's one of those things your body knows when you get up in the morning, it starts to produce cortisol to kind of help you start mobilizing energy and get active and do what you need to do to be productive, be it your job, be it your exercise regimen that you do. And as the day goes on, as you get closer to rest time at night, it lowers, right? And so there's this nice correlation between being active, right, and being productive and high cortisol. And then when it goes down at night, what's also a tight correlation is when cortisol is low, it's not causing all these things to happen in many body systems. And that's critical because that's what gives you the ability to appropriately rest appropriately repair and appropriately regenerate, right? So there's a lot of things that can be detrimentally affected. It's not this pulsatile thing, you know, really where this gets to be a bad thing is when you have high cortisol levels over a long period of time, right? It starts to kind of really exhaust and, and damage a lot of those body systems, throw things off like your blood sugar, your blood pressure, you know, bone health, skin health, things like that. There's a lot of different ways people can kind of respond to that. But, uh, Yeah, it's like anything else, right? Like there are people that, you know, I work with that have something going on they can't control without medical help. But then there's also this self-inflicted high stress state, right? Some of us have situations in life which aren't the best for us. Some of us, you know, have high stress situations, but where this can be a concern over time is when that is never shut off, right? That never goes away people who work out too much. There's a lot of different things. So it's that ebb and flow, right? It's that yin and yang in life. You definitely can push yourself hard and work hard, but it's also important to have that rest because if those things aren't balanced out, you can do a lot more damage than you can do good, right? So it's important. And what a great perspective you're offering because you're able to experience this firsthand, being an active husband, dad, and father and I know, you know, sports plays a big role into your, your life. And so that's an important aspect of it. And then also you see this other side of, well, if you have too much stress and, and chronic stress, I guess is what we're talking about, which, you know, lo and behold, this has probably been one of the more stressful years for most of, of us, not just in America, but around the world, right. Uh, going through what everyone has with the uncertainty of the pandemic and everything. And so what have you learned? I mean, since you've had a chance to be within this pharmaceutical industry as well as just being an active leader, what have you learned about how do you best handle stress so that it doesn't become this chronic condition and maybe some lessons that we can all take away from that? That's a a great question. I think the biggest thing is just to make sure that at some point in the day, at some point in the week, you're not just flipping the switch on to go, right? We we talk about F3 and, and there's the kind of go get the job done for 45 minutes, but Usually what consistently I align with that, it may be on the way to the workout. It may be 30 minutes before the workout. It may be 30 minutes post the workout. I'm the only one up in my family and I'm thinking and I'm thinking about the day. I'm thinking about my schedule. I'm thinking about the family schedule. I'm thinking about sports schedules, right? We all have these situations and have I prioritized those different things in the day? Or are there things that I can't do that I need to communicate appropriately to 
to both of my young sons and my wife to make sure that we do what we need to do. Are there things we need to cut out? But I think the biggest thing for me, and it's one of those things in life, right? If, if you're doing the right things, if you're helping people, you know, if you're motivated and people see that, I feel like life never asks less of you. It always asks more, right? And so as you, you build out your schedule, as you do the best you can to take on more, trying to seek balance, it's also important to build in a time or times where you just kind of organize things, right? And you try to put things in order because what happens if you don't do that is the day gets going, there's no prioritization, there's no set time for each thing. And sometimes that just disorganization can kind of drive you crazy. But that's been another blessing of kind of being out in the gloom, you know, in the mornings working out with you gents is in order to have that time, you kind of have to have a quiet time by yourself. And we're up early. So there's always a, a little bit of time on the front end or the back end where I can do that. And it's so, so helpful for me in terms of starting my day with a solid plan of action and knowing where I'm going to be and when I need to stop this and when I need to start that, you know. So um, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've tried to stick to with regards to kind of stress reduction, you know, is just better planning and quiet time and those types of things. And you're right. That is a benefit of waking up a little bit early, uh, having that alone time and not only having it, but leveraging it and maximizing it. And I want to go back to a theme that's come up a couple of times. And it seems like you have a strong value in communicating clearly. You want to be organized for your family. You want to be able to not only lead, but to communicate. And it sounds like you do a little bit of self-evaluation of whether you're leading a workout or you're doing a training session at your job is asking yourself, you know, did I communicate that clearly to make the connection I wanted to? So is that a value one? I mean, I'm just saying this is what I'm hearing from you. Is that a value? And if so, how did that become such a value in your life? Oh man, that's a great question. It's extremely valuable to me. And I think it's because in 41 years of being on the surf, it's probably one of the areas as I've come up and grown as a person, I've failed the most, right? I think sometimes uh, passion and initiative can drive you to action, but oftentimes you can be saying something and, and someone else completely hearing something different and you scratch your head and sometimes you get frustrated because you're like, I just said that. Why did they not hear that, right? And I see this sometimes as we work with different healthcare professions, different types of clinicians at work. If we have the opportunity with certain projects to work with patients, right, there can be huge disconnects. And probably the person that I've learned this the most from and gotten the most value from and respect the most because she's so good at it is my wife. And she works in elementary education. And uh, we have two young sons and something that, that really is important. And this started with her, and I'm very passionate about it now, is in life. It's so important to meet people where they are. You know, you've got to go where a person is versus them kind of meeting you where you are. And I, and I think sometimes as a leader, that can be a, a really big challenge because you have a lot to say, a lot you want to get accomplished in certain initiatives or with certain projects or in a certain group. But unless somebody understands fully what you're trying to say and their role in that part, you know, it's very hard to get started. And uh, that's sometimes a challenge in education, you know, in a, in a classroom where maybe you have a large group of individuals, each with their own needs, right? It's very hard to get each individual student from her perspective and hear her stories where they need to. It's about what that kid needs. And do I understand that? Have I asked enough questions to understand where they are and kind of their they're kind of gaps to where we want to be, right? So 
I'm very blessed to have her in, in my life. She's way smarter than I am. And uh, I think uh, it's one of those things. It's a people skill. It, it's super, super important to helping others in life. It's just taking a second, number one, to listen to what they're saying. And, and number two, process that and then kind of communicate to that individual the way they need to be communicated to, to kind of move forward. I love it. So you have a family of educators. So you've got, you've got your wife who's teaching elementary and then you're in the learning and development division of your company and you're able to exchange probably best practices. This is a question for you. And it reminds me of what you mentioned, your wife is an elementary school teacher. So I've often heard it said that you should communicate right in like a fifth grade level so that it's clear and it's direct. And so from your experience, how do you do that without talking down to someone, right? I mean, you you don't want to insult someone's intelligence. And at the same time, you want to be clear and use the right language. So have you had an experience or lessons learned around how you balance between that goal of being clear, but giving enough value and context where someone doesn't feel like you're speaking down to them? I think that's a great question. I mean, I, I think in my experience, probably one of the, the best things you can do is just create opportunities to listen to how they explain things, how they describe things through questioning, obviously homework and as much research as you can do in preparation for certain things. That's always good as well. I can't say I've had a lot of in life where, you know, really trying to keep things simple has been a detriment, but I could definitely see, you know, where that may be a concern. I mean, for example, you don't want to talk to adults like at a third grade level using third grade descriptions, right? But I think one of those things in engagements and interactions, as you prep for certain things, you do have that opportunity to have dialogue with someone else and kind of get a feeler for kind of where you need to fall in terms of your descriptions. You know, I think Oftentimes in what we do, it's very high level. So there's that necessary need to kind of bring it down to layman's terms. But I think where this comes in, for example, with F3 is it's the specificity of things. So for example, and I know you've probably had this situation, you're leading and you say, well, we're going to go from this point to that point. On the count of three, let's go. And everyone says, well, do you want me to go fast or do you want me to go slow? When do I stop? How many times do I go from this point to that point, right? Like those are the things that kind of jam up things. So I think those types of situations are the ones where it's it's not so much kind of bringing it down. I, I feel like that's appreciated in most instances in life, you know, if you don't over-exaggerate it. But I think thinking through, am I giving everyone the information at this point in time that they need to do what needs to be done, right? And so oftentimes just making sure you give someone everything they need, right, is, is necessary. And I think that's where the practice, as I mentioned earlier, is very, very good because that, that very much translates over into communications at work and in life, you know, as well to make sure everybody has everything they need. It is fascinating. And you're right. It's a great case study, especially with F3 group, because here you are early in the morning. Some guys have just literally woken up, <laughs> got out of bed, not thinking exactly clearly. Who knows if they've got that cortisol spike going in the right direction or not. And then you're then expecting them to know exactly what's going through your brain. And, and we have this saying called cue adrenaline, meaning like the leader, the cue is so excited and has this extra adrenaline that sometimes you can speak too quickly and maybe think that you said something, but you didn't, and you might have written it down. And so thanks for paralleling our conversation with the workout and your job, because I think it it really resonates with me to have that feeling of leading, but then being misunderstood. You know, what's so cool though, to observe and and what's so amazing as a participant is seeing someone start that process, right? Because 
the stress of leading in that moment in a workout is the stress of life. When you give a presentation and you have to get it done in 15 minutes, right? The clock is ticking. Have I said everything I need to say? Am I comfortable? Am I confident, right? How do I deal with something if I don't have an answer, but I need to give an answer, right? So it's so cool to watch others grow in that aspect and that skill set because you know they're taking that confidence that they build and those skills they build there to be better in other aspects of their life as a father or as a leader at work or manager or whatever the case may be. That's that's such a cool thing to observe. And I'm, do you feel the same way? Yeah. No, it's fun to see it. You're right. Because you can see it on both ends, right? We all have a chance to lead a workout and many times we don't. And we know that feeling as a participant of feeling lost. And then you get an opportunity to try to do something differently uh, the next time you lead. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's one of the coolest things to observe when you're not leading is those guys who get it with time, right? And with practice. And none of us are perfect. Part of the process is getting up there and maybe misstepping a couple of times, but you got a group of people who support you and you get out there and you do it again and you get a little better the next time and then you get a little better the next time, you know, and, and over time you see great things happen. I want to bring up some of this unique about your story that I just found out. And that was but I know you went to UNC and not only did you go to UNC, but you were awarded one of the merit scholarships as the Moorhead Scholar, which was the first ever, I think, nationwide merit scholarship. And that's a big deal. So congrats to you on that. And how did you accomplish that? Like who helped you along your path to achieve such a prestigious scholarship going into college? Uh, so thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's called the, the Moorhead Kane Scholarship at UNC Chapel Hill. And uh, brings back a lot of memories when you ask me that question. There's a lot of different stories I can tell you about points in my life that kind of, I think, maybe changed me and kind of got me motivated and inspired. But I would have to say the one that probably got me on the path working that way the most was tragically when my father passed away. So I, I, was, I was 13 years old and uh, becoming a, a, a young teenager. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, was with my mom and got the call one day that he had tragically passed away in a car accident on his way home from work. We went through the process of, of uh, him being seriously injured, uh, being at Carolina's Medical Center for about a week and not really knowing the severity of things and understanding life to the degree that a 13-year-old boy would. You know, there's always this hope in the back of your mind without getting into specifics that things will work out. Well, unfortunately, they didn't work out. You know, he passed away tragically. But I vividly remember being in the cafeteria with the pastor of, of my church. And uh, we were kind of exchanging pleasantries. He, he kind of took me down to get me a meal. And I remember specifically him looking me in the face across from the table. And he said, you're going to have to be strong at this point. He's like, you're going to have to be strong for your mom. And you're going to have to be strong for your brother. And that's really all I remember about the conversation. I remember the seriousness in his eyes and him staring straight through me. But that moment changed my life. That was the moment I became a provider, you know, at a very young age. And uh, from that moment on, whenever there were opportunities to do things, I always did them with great passion, understanding that my actions would be attributed to my family and, and helping my family and, and providing for my family. And uh, when it came to sports in high school, did a lot uh, when it came to, to different groups and organizations, was heavily involved in you know, student government and, uh, you know, just, just trying to find ways to, to help my community, you know, and I, I think the tragedy of my, my father's 
death was was a, a really pivotal moment in my life that could have took me one of two ways. And um, just understanding what I needed to be for my parents or for my mom and my brother, I should say, at that point in my life was really a huge moment for me changing me. So um, I think if I could attribute it to one thing, that kind of changed everything in the past. Thank you for sharing. What a monumental moment. And that conversation with your pastor obviously stands out to you as a significant one. And man, what a, what a way of having an example of someone willing to look you in the face and give you an encouraging and hard word that, as you mentioned, possibly changed the trajectory of probably your whole life. It's what needed to be said, right? There are probably a lot of individuals who may not have said that, but it was, it was the truth. And the great thing is there wasn't a more, more rigid definition than that because I can take that moment and take that message to a lot of different things in my life moving forward. You know, working hard in school, supporting your family, you know, supporting your community, doing all these different things, right? That's what my father did up until that point in my life, whenever he had the opportunity and doing each of those to the best of your ability. And uh, it's a simple but powerful thing that really translates and transfers into everything else you do for the rest of your life. Any lessons learned as you think about from that moment of 13 on, what helped you develop the skills that you needed to develop at a very early age that maybe you wouldn't have? Was it a commitment to learning through your academics? Was it volunteering, like you said, to model after your father? What were some of the activities that helped you in that growth of going from maybe that boy child to then that growing provider, someone much more responsible and able to do things that you've been able to do? Yeah. So a lot of things, I think there's, there's obviously the, the innate responsibility as, as a, as a young provider, right. In that situation of family, a provider for your family to, to kind of support yourself financially, right. The last thing you wanted to be is a burden. So definitely took the opportunity to, to take on some jobs and do what I could to kind of support my family. It, it wasn't necessarily needed, but I knew that when I left, the, the last thing that I wanted to do was to be a financial burden, right, for, for my mother and, and everything. And so learning to take care of myself, you know, in addition to doing what I could to, to help them was, was always big. Like I said, is with regards to kind of um, setting an example for others and working with others, I think to your point, I knew my father did a lot in the church. I continue to do a lot in our, our local church and community, different things for, for younger kids, different projects or, or things that would go on. Um, and the same thing in the school. So it was one of those things I would say kind of to expand further on your question, you know, for me as a father today, it's something that is very, very important to me. You know, when you get back to this idea of, of, of being a provider, it's very important for me to capitalize and take advantage of the opportunities that I have with my two sons to teach them, right, to, to be self-sufficient, to be confident, to make yourself uncomfortable, despite the fact that, you know, oftentimes at a young age, you're, you're trying to figure out where you are at the, in the world and what others think of you and kind of, kind of how you fit in. I have a, a, a young 12-year-old, right? So we're dealing with a lot of those things as they start now. But I was 13. My father was 36. We had no clue, right? You know, we, we don't know when this, this, this time on the earth is going to end, right? Your time with others is going to end. And so, for me, it's, it's one of those situations where I'm 41, so I've had more opportunity to be here, right, to live life than him. And that's something that's, it's kind of a weird thing to think about, right? But it also makes me um, heavily focus on my time with them, my time to be a provider for them in terms of knowledge, in terms of life's experiences and things like that. That's a heavy focus for me today is making sure that 
when those opportunities come, we, we have conversations about a lot of things, be they hard conversations, be they conversations to learn, you know, and do other things. So it's amazing how little we know about someone's story and just kind of the theme of our conversation is taking the time to maybe, you know, whether it's a, in a work environment or context where we're using the same language that our clients are using, or just having some empathy and appreciation for, oh gosh, this person is really driven to make the most out of things. Oh, I bet there's a story behind that, right? Like that doesn't just naturally happen. I think, unfortunately, we default to more the lazy way out than the intentional way. And it's so good to hear a little bit more about the events that have shaped you and the people that have shaped you, where from afar, you could sense it, right? Like I said at the beginning of our conversation, but I had no idea. Yeah, I feel the same about you, right? I mean, life is busy. And you oftentimes, I think you're like, ah, oh, that, that person's a good person, man. I, I, I wonder what makes them tick. But then finding that time, right? It's one of those things too, where we could do that with a lot of people. I'm sure this is why your podcast is great, right? It's like they say, you're, you're defined, right? I don't remember the exact quote, right? But you can easily be defined by the, the five people you spend the most time with, right? We spend a lot of time with a lot more than five people, but they're all really good people, right? That's what keeps us coming back. And so I think, you know, that's the the magnet, right? That they talk about. That's what drives you to be back with people is just by the sheer presence of them and, and listening to them. You are somewhat better yourself, right? And so when you find those opportunities to be around people like that in life, you got to hold on to those, man. You got to. So. This has been great. I guess I also, as we begin to wrap up here, just want to say thank you for your time and reflecting on some of these stories and, and what shaped you. And I'll give you a chance to provide any final remarks or stories that I didn't give you a chance to share. But before I do, there's one story that I neglected to share at the beginning of our conversation. And how could I forget where we did a, a crazy GORUCK challenge event together? And I, all I remember is we were at the end of this 12-hour venture and we were... <laughs> having to not only carry our backpack weight, but also there's extra weight that we had to carry. And we had this really, maybe maybe you have a better description of it as well, but our memory, this random weight. And I remember having it in the back of my head and you and I were trading off like back and forth with it. So, and, and I just remember you had such a good attitude, but I was so thankful that you were my partner in that because you were strong enough to carry it longer than, than I could. So thank you for providing for me in that very practical way as well. <laughs> You, you know, I, I don't, I'm glad you remember it that way because I remember that you were carrying it more than I was. And maybe it was, it was probably just the fact that we were delirious and, you know, you just wanted to get rid of it as quick as you could. Right. So it's funny how your mind works like that. Uh, the GORUCK events, right. I mean, it's, they're beautiful. It, it's one of those things where you, in the midst of it, you're hours into it. You say, I will never, ever do anything like this again. And then three weeks later, you're like, this is awesome. You know, right. It's like this, like refreshing thing in life, right? Like those things are great to throw in your life because it's like, you, I need to make myself uncomfortable, right? I need to make myself uncomfortable. I need to remind myself, right, that, that I can do things. I can put, push myself outside my comfort zone, uh, psychologically, physically, whatever that is. So um, it's a love-hate thing, right? But they're, they're so good in the long run because there's such a remembrance that you can go so much further than you usually do on a day-to-day basis in life. That is a love-hate relationship with it there. And so that, that's part of our bonding where you, you don't know someone's story, but you're like, gosh, there's someone that I can lean on. Like literally, I need someone to lean on with it. So, uh, hey, Jody, thanks for the time. Like I said, I wanted to give you just a moment to reflect on it. Was there anything else that you wanted to leave with our listeners, whether it's a word of encouragement or a story I didn't give you a chance to share? 
uh, the floor is yours as we wrap up. It's, it's always great to talk to you. I think what you're doing with this podcast series is, is very, very inspiring, but I appreciate what you're doing and, uh, you know, just uh, am honored to be a part of it and be included in it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. Before you take off, I wanted to ask if you would enjoy getting a short email from me every Wednesday called A Kind Word. It provides a little positivity to help you get over hump day. It's free and shares highlights of things that have brought me joy over the past week. If you want to start getting a kind word from me, simply sign up at justinthomascoaching.com by entering your email address and you'll get the next one. That's justinthomascoaching.com. Thanks again for listening. Bless and protect.